0: Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie-Ann Hobayen, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? Wherever you are, I hope you are feeling good in the neighborhood. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I just hope that you are taking a moment here to be present in the body, to breathe fully as you can, and exhale out, breathing in gratitude that you have the sense of hearing that you can hear this podcast and gratitude that you have breath, even if it might be compromised at the moment, depending on where you are health wise, um, we do have breath and breath is life, right? Okay. So I'm going to, you know, I just, (laughs) I pulled out my deck for um, today's episode. I got the, secret language of light and um I started shuffling them and then my hands just got stuck. <laughs> I don't know. These cards are a little larger than some of my other decks and um yeah, my hands are feeling a little stiff right now. I haven't been uh, doing my hand warm-ups just yet. <laughs> my finger calisthenics. Um okay, so we're going to pull a card today and um We'll see what happens. I have a topic in mind that I wanted to discuss, but let's consult the cards, shall we? And so here's a card where my hands are slippery. This one is soul name. Ooh. So in the language of light, the secret language of light deck, um, they all make references to, I guess, Ways of looking at our essence, which is light. Um, so this is the first card out of the deck. It's number one, soul name. And I just, I'll try to describe the image of the card. It is, um, there's a, what looks like a stone temple of sorts. Two columns um, and a, a temple type of roof. And in the center, there is a sun, r- radiant sun um, just coming out at you and it looks like it has a shape of a diamond around the circular sun and then of course there are light yellows variations of yellow in the center and then as it radiates out there's a, a ring of pink and Uh, what kind of blue is that? I guess just like whatever your standard blue is. Like when you think of blue, I guess, I don't know. Um, but soul name is the card. So let's consult the guidebook. Um, unlock the mysteries of your soul. You are, or about to receive the name of your soul. Ooh, how about that? Your soul name acts as a link between your inner and outer worlds, enabling you to merge authentic wisdom into your everyday experiences and create a life from your heart. Mm. You placed your soul name in your heart before you were born. As you explore your inner world and open your heart, you will discover the name of your beautiful essence. You are ready to awaken your heart and know its absolute fullness. You are safe to discover connect and receive all your dreams and desires will be realized with an open heart. Ask for and be open to receiving the name of your soul. It may arrive in a way you don't expect like a singing telegram <laughs> that just came to mind. I had to pop that in there. Um, but when it comes, you will know it is authentic by the way it feels liberate your heart and soul. You are worth it. Hmm. I love the, um, the description of your soul name, soul name as the link between your inner and outer worlds. So where you can take the wisdom, the wisdom you've gathered over lifetimes, in addition to your lived embodied experiences, which is also knowledge and wisdom, um, and using that to inform how you experience the world as a human being in this lifetime, on this planet, in this three-dimensional existence. Um, And from that information, all that wisdom, all that knowledge, you can create a life from your heart, creating the ideal life, um, creating heaven on earth, we'll say. Um, And so a soul name, what I like about the idea of a soul name, I mean, I have a spiritual name, which I also sort of interchangeably use or take as, uh, can apply it as a soul name. Um, but the way I see it is that it is a reminder of who you already are. Um, it's a reminder of your path, whether you know that path or not, um, saying that soul name, whether it's in your mind or out loud or having people call you by it, um, there is a certain frequency that your body responds to. I know for myself, it's funny because I, I, think about it. Um, well, okay. So let me tell you about my spiritual name. My spiritual name is Surya Gyan and it Surya. It comes from the Sanskrit. Surya is, um, sun and Gyan is wisdom. And in the, um, Kundalini tradition, which borrows from the Sikh religion, uh, the name together Surya Gyan means one whose wisdom shines brilliantly as the sun. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool, right? And I'm thinking to myself, wisdom. Like when I think about wisdom, I think like some old person who's lived a life and has all of this like knowledge because they've seen stuff and they're going to bestow it upon you. Um, so I was like, wow, I guess I have a lot of wisdom in me. I don't know. And what's interesting is that um, – the the name was given to me by my teachers in the kundalini tradition. And there's a system, not a, yeah, there's a method that they use. Um, I'm not aware of what that system is. I just know that it was taught to the person who um, gives the names and uh, it's based on astrology and numerology, which, you know, makes sense to me. And so when I received that name, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of cool. And when I told my friends in my kundalini uh, yoga teacher training group that um, what my name, my spiritual name was, they were, they were all a little jealous, <laughs> which I thought was funny because I was like, wait, why? Like, I mean, I guess Surya is um, known. It's more familiar in the Western world because of the sun salutation, you know, like, um Surya Namaskar. And then Gyan is like Gyan Mudra, which is wisdom where you have your thumb and index finger touch, where you are connecting the loop of wisdom in your body. Um, And so, yeah, so when I received that name, I was very excited about it. I know that my whole body was lighter, that when people, when I went to India for um, advanced teacher training in um, 2019, I, I decided since I was in India and I was with a bunch of new people, I didn't know I was going to go by my spiritual name. There were people in the group who were going by their spiritual name. And I was like, okay, well, why not me? Let me, let me try it out. And so that specific group of people know me as um, Surya Gyan, and they all shortened it to to Surya. And um, in India, well, at least at this particular ashram, if you wanted to show like, I th- from what I remember, um, it's, it's like a term, not a term, but a little addition to your name that indicates respect and affection. I think I have to, I don't remember, but G, G- J-I added to the end of your name is like sort of, uh, you know, like a. I don't even know how to explain it. Like Surya G, I was like, oh, that sounds so sweet. You know, it's like respect, but also, um, a sense of affection or familiarity. Anyway, so when people would call me that, I was like, wow, I really felt like my authentic self. Like I was like, oh, that's amazing. You know, I felt like I could be myself, if that makes any sense. Um, like holy my most authentic self. And I considered, you know, when I came back changing my name, but I was like, well, I don't know. It feels, it feels, I don't know. It didn't feel right to me. I mean, it, maybe it was, I don't know. I I was trying to discern and I'm still trying to discern when to use my spiritual slash soul name, um, I don't, I, it's something I'm I'm looking into as far as, you know, would I be changing the name for me, you know, or would I be changing the name for others? Or am I keeping my given name to make others more comfortable? You know, these are questions that I'm, that I'm mulling over. And um, would people recognize me if I changed my name? <laughs> you know, I mean, of course they would, it would take them getting used to, um, you know, for example, one of my, one of my dear friends, um, she was my first, uh, yoga teacher trainer, we'll say. And, um, we've, we've become friends over the years and she has recently legally changed her name to her spiritual name. Um, and it's been really cool to see that unfold, to see how not only she, Embodies the name. Um, how that name is really allowing for her to blossom, if that makes sense. I don't want to. I don't want to imply that it's giving her permission. I think it's more like an invitation to say, "Hey, though, no, this is really you, and so it is safe for you to be you in this name." And her name, her spiritual name, is Malati, which means jasmine. And, uh, yeah, and it's beautiful. So, and it's so interesting because as she, um, continues to embody this name and people address her by that name more and more, I see her blooming like a Jasmine. It's really, um, it's really cool to witness. So, yeah. So I think about my own soul name and, I don't know. (laughs) We'll discuss that as, I mean, I'll share with you as, as that particular part of my life evolves. Um, so tune into your version or your soul name, like what might it be? Uh, there is a meditation that the card invites you to do. Um, and I can read it just to share with you as an invitation to, uh, maybe discovering your soul name. So place a hand on the card. In this case, just place your hand on your heart. Become aware of and sense your body. Be conscious of and focused on your breathing. As you breathe in, draw your awareness within. As you breathe out, let go and relax. Be thankful for the ability to breathe and focus on your inner world. Here you can remember who you are, where you come from, and what your passions are. Now when we say where you come from, it's not like, you know what country you're from. Okay. Just to be clear, we're talking soul level. As you sit in bright appreciation, your vibration rises to reveal a shining light being a shining light, a shining light being who is offering you a key and pointing to a door in your heart. Take the key and notice a name on the door. If you don't see a name, know it will come to you in the following days, unlock and step through the door into the fullness of you feel at ease, soft and wise. Be immersed in stillness and peace. In this moment, you are in full alignment with your soul. Remember what this feels like. Stay here for as long as you like, at least 30 seconds. When you feel ready, float out through the door. Notice the name on the door as it may have changed. Lock the door and place your key in your heart. Your key gives you access to your sacred soul space wherever Whenever you want, focus on your breath and let it guide you back to your physical self. Open your eyes and smile. Hmm. So, there you go, my friends. That is your card for today. Um, okay, so what I was thinking about, or what's been on my mind and on my heart as of late, is um, we are in the season, right? The season, the reason for the season is Jesus and the season is Christmas. Um, for a lot of us, I know that there, and I want to present that there are other holidays that are being celebrated, um, during this season, but I want, but Christmas is very prominent, you know, it's in your face all the time. And for those who don't celebrate Christmas, y'all might be like rolling your eyes. Like, here we go again. <laughs> um, But yeah, I want to, I just want to, um, this is what's been, this is what's been going on. Uh, I think about how there's so much emphasis on gift giving on material things. And it's so interesting to watch capitalist society turn its gears to appear like it is earnest, like it is sincere. It's like, yeah, it's the season for giving. It's like, yeah, I can give things that are not physical presence. My presence is a present. Um, and so as a mom who's raising three girls who are now teenagers it's well let me just tell you first of all when you have teenagers christmas presents if you're gonna you know buy into the capitalist system presents get more expensive the older they get the more expensive they get you know if you're a little kid you get all the little kid toys and you know like 20 bucks will get you a good gift you know 20 bucks in teenage gifts language is not not a whole lot (laughs) Um, maybe a pair of jeans on sale at Hollister. I mean, it's gotta be like seriously on sale. Hollister jeans are, you know, anywhere from like, they're like average $60 or something like that. Um, so when they're on sale for 20 bucks, you should totally get them. Like jump on that. I missed that. You know, I saw it and I was like, Ooh, let me get that. And I put it in my cart and then I forgot to check out. (laughs) And I was like, whoops, so much for that. But the reason I, um, I'm thinking about, about this is because I know this is a season where basically a lot of us are out of cash, you know, it's the end of the year. And while time is a construct, you know, calendar time is a construct of our humanness. Um, and we can just be like, yeah, we can start a new year anytime we want you could start a new year, every new moon. You know, I talk about that stuff, right? But when it comes to finances, generally speaking, we tend to have less in the bank account by the end of the year, for whatever reason. Like, I'm not going to go into analysis about the, the economy or the economics of, you know, the calendar year or whatever. But then we feel the pressure to have to spend beyond our means to, um, go above and beyond to show that we care about the person or people in our lives by getting them a gift. And there's nothing wrong with getting a gift for someone to show appreciation, to show that you've been thinking about them. But when it comes to, when it begins to be pressure, then you're participating in a toxic environment, a toxic practice, right? And I will say that I am, um, I'm feeling that pressure and I'm feeling that suck into the, the toxicity of capitalist society where it's like, oh, okay, I got to have, you know, a certain number of presents for each of my kids under the trees so that they can feel like you know, Christmas is successful, quote unquote, right? Successful. What does that even mean? Christmas being successful, right? Is it the, the, the 30 second joy of my kids unwrapping presents? Like, Oh yeah. Ah, ah? you know, is that what Christmas is? You know, I don't know. It's not, but that's what capitalist society is, is selling us. And I, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting because I, over the years, I'm like, okay, I feel like it would be nice to have like a bunch of presents. It doesn't have to be expensive. It could be just like a pair of socks. It could be like pajama pants, like wrapped individually so that it looks like a lot. And it's just fun to unwrap, you know, you know, in terms of cost, not a lot because, you know, it's just like little things here and there and just like a bunch of things, wrapped like, you know, a $5 pillow from five below wrapped really big under the tree would be kind of fun. Um, but then I'm like, well, I'm just participating in that narrative, that pressure of like, Hey, let's give physical gifts to people to show them we love them. And again, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts. It's the, it's like, can I just give a gift when I feel moved to give a gift? Like if I'm in a store and I'm like, oh my God, that'd be perfect for so-and-so. And I buy it for them and I give it to them as a gift for no reason at all. Just because I was thinking of them, just because that was the aligned time for me to buy a gift for them. Like, can it just be like that? You know, why is Christmas so, I mean, this is a rhetorical question. Why is Christmas so focused on, gift giving you know totally commercialized capitalist you know the whole thing and so this year I am being mindful of how Christmas is going to unfold for us this year Um, because financially things are not so abundant and I see this as an invitation to take a look at how I will celebrate Christmas with my daughters in a way that brings out the true meaning of Christmas. You know, it's funny. I, um, <laughs> I forget where it was, but someone, someone had mentioned that Christianity was formally started or created or whatever it was born 100 years after the death of Jesus or the resurrection, we'll say the ascension of Jesus, whatever his time was a hundred years, a whole century after him. So imagine how much of his message has been perverted to suit the intentions of humans, particularly men, right? So I just, I just think about that. That's just like a little thing I have in my mind because I love Jesus and his teachings and who he was as a person, who he is as a being. Um, But the religion that claims his name, I'm feeling kind of like, eh, you know, maybe you guys have fallen far from the path. Um, So yeah, so I'm thinking about what are some ways in which we can create the feeling of Christmas, of hope, of, um, joy. I mean, anytime a baby's born, it's joyful, right? And we have to remember Christmas is about a baby being born and despite all odds, you know, um, and that, that's what I want to focus on when, you know, for the season, But I want to tell you also about this season. You know, this season has been interesting. This, when I say this season, it's not necessarily winter because technically winter starts on December 21st. (laughs) Technically we're still in fall, which is weird to me. When we're in December, I'm like, really? We're still in fall. Mm, It doesn't quite feel like it, but okay. Um, But the season that I'm talking about is the season of hibernation, um, the days are getting shorter. Yes. You know, and I'm in this pro in this program. I'm not a program, but I'm, I'm conducting a journey, a 21 day journey into darkness, you know, divine darkness with, um, a group of midlife women of color. And it's been, it's, we just started it, you know, on December 1st and it's been, it's been really lovely to reframe darkness as an invitation to hibernate basically. Um, and by the way, if you're listening and you are a midlife woman of color, you can still totally join in um, and be part of a little community because there's something very nurturing about being in community with other women of color, especially during this time. So this season of hibernation has been, um, well, I don't know if it's just started or if it's been around for me, <laughs> um, but it's it's something I want to pay attention to because we live in a culture that is all about hustle. That's all about go, go, go. How much can you do? How much can you get done? And it's not just the Northeast, you know, people like to joke around like the Northeast is so fast paced and it's like, I needed this yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Um, It is, it is the whole country, if not the whole world. And when I say the whole world, I know that there are pockets of communities that are still very much in tune with the cycles of the planet, but capitalist society reaches far and wide. Um, And so there is this hustle vibe out there. It's like, you know what? It's the end of the year. What are you going to do to close out the year, fourth quarter? Are you going to go big or go home? And it's, you know, it's really not of service to us it's really toxic and if you think about us as mammals right like we're like bears we need to hibernate we need to rest we need to just chill out you know and yeah there's there's things that need to get done but do we need to do all of them yesterday you know um it's a a hard balance. I'm going to say it's a hard balance because there are things that need to get done. And then you're like, well, I want to rest. And so let me just take rest. But then there are certain hard deadlines in the three-dimensional world where you're like, okay, this needs to get done now. Okay. So let's just do that. So there, there requires some presence There requires some practice in understanding where and when to take rest and when to do the things without without, that's the caveat, without hustle. You know, it's, let's just get these tasks done because they need to be completed. Not because of like, ooh, 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 like this harried kind of energy. Um, It's just really time for us to slow down. And what I also am seeing, at least for myself in this season of hibernation. Well, let let me just start with the season of hibernation as far as where I am with that. I am doing my best to slow down. I'm doing my best to listen to my body and rest. You know, for example, I didn't go to my hip hop dance class last night because I was feeling very run down. And I was like, I'm not risking getting a cold, even though it was that moment of having to discern between like, all right, am I feeling just lethargic and going to hip hop would totally energize me and make me feel better? Or do I really, truly need to rest? And so, you know, I checked in with my intuition and my intuition was like, stay home. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. And, um, I really didn't do much. I kind of just like sat on the couch and, um, was texting with a couple of friends and while watching or half watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, which was totally corny. And I was just like, "Oh man, there are some decent Hallmark Christmas movies out there." The one after it was um, was looking good, but I was like, "Oh, it's part of my bedtime." But the one that I had caught, I was like, "Oh, this is so cheesy. The writing is so like basic," and I was just like, "Uh, oh, mm." Anyway. I digress, but so that's the hibernation mode that I'm, you know, trying to practice a little bit more because I am also in the season of suck, (laughs) you know, like I I just, that, that, that phrase came to mind and I was like the season of suck, like everything sucks, you know, everything's sucky, like everyone, it's like that, I, I can't even describe it. The only word that comes out is meh, Like, how are you feeling? Meh. What's going on in life? Meh. (laughs) You know? And, um, and yeah, so I'm like, okay, how do we describe the season of suck? Because some of you might be in it right now. It's, you know, I am going through, you know, continuing to go through this transition out of a toxic relationship with a narcissist that lasted over two decades. You know, I'm still un untangling from that, um, and allowing for my identity to at least the old identity to fall away, but then for my true authentic self to begin to emerge. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to be like, Hey, uh, new me is right here. Got it. You know, it's not, I, I was in a, in a, in that relationship for two decades. So it's not That's a lot of time. That's a lot of entangled energy. That's a lot of behavioral patterns that need to be undone and unlearned, you know? Um, So it's going to take a little bit of time. It may not, it's not going to take forever, but it's not going to be instant either. And so I need to recognize that for one, right? For two, I also want to acknowledge that it sucks, that it really sucks because You know, maybe it's because it's my personality, you know, Taurus sun, Sagittarius rising, Leo moon, like two fire signs and an earth sign. It's like, we need to get stuff done, you know, but I also need to sit with the suck. I, you know, I just want to be already on the other side of this journey. I want to be that version of me that it has her stuff together, is financially abundant, has like a really strong community of support, of friends, you know, I have people who understand what I mean when I talk about light language and they don't look at me sideways, (laughs) you know, I just, that, I want that version of me secure in that self already and now, you know, but I don't have that. I don't have that now, just for the record, I don't have that now, but I'm building it. You know, I'm building it and it takes time to build it so that it's a secure, solid foundation. Um, And it is part of the journey as much as it sucks to hear when you're in the muck, right? It's all part of the journey. You're just like, shut up, you know, like you're not here experiencing what I'm experiencing. You're not here crying on the couch every other day, wondering like, did I make wrong choices? How did I get here? Questioning, you know, what is going on, who you are being, not having any answers, you know, yeah, you don't want someone to be like, it's all part of the journey. It's like, no, leave me alone. I want to sit in my muck. (laughs) But it is, you know, and I want to presence that, that it is part of the journey and the journey is a lifetime. It's not, we're going to get to a certain destination and then be satisfied. You know, it's, it's funny. I, um, (laughs) I have writer friends right? Because I'm, I'm a poet and in the literary community, in the literary spaces a lot. And I, they're not just my friends, but I have few people that I've seen who are like, hey, I wrote a book. Yay. And oh, wait, writing a book is not all it's cracked up to be. You know, like publishing it. I'll, I'll let me be clear, publishing a book. A, there's a, a an illusion that has been created where there's this perception. Once you write a book, and you get it published by one of the big publishing houses, I think there's only four or five, right? Like Random House, HarperCollins, like those, you know, FSG, Um, once you get there, you get an agent, you write the book, you get it published by this big publishing house, you've made it. That's the narrative. They're like, you have made it. You will be like famous, financially secure, You'll get to write full time and not worry about anything at all. I'm going to tell you something. Lies. Those are lies. <laughs> um, I have friends who have books with major publishing houses and they are not financially abundant. They are feeling the stress of, what I'm feeling just, you know, being able to make a living and write because we love to write, but it's not a career that you can subsist on unless you are a celebrity, you know? Um, it's very rare for a literary author to live off of just their writing. I'm just gonna put that out there. So yeah that is not the destination. So what is the destination? There is no destination. I know. I mean, the destination is death, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's, we're all going to die, right? And that's our end game as far as this particular lifetime on this planet, right? In, the, in this human body. Maybe that's the destination. What our goals are, are guideposts. They're, they're pointing us in the direction of our true calling of our highest selves, if that makes sense. Um, I think about how too many people use goals as like the end all be all when in reality, once you get to the goal, you're still there, like evolving and growing and expanding you know, you might feel good. Like, yes, I did it. I accomplished it. And yes, please, please celebrate that. We don't celebrate enough. I'm telling you. Celebrate the big wins, the small wins, the, all the wins in between. Even if it's like, I woke up this morning. Yes, let me celebrate that. Let me say, woohoo, good morning. When you get to that goal, you will feel good you will celebrate and then you'll look around and be like okay what's next (laughs) right because we are constantly growing and we are constantly evolving and when you are in the muck of things like i am sometimes time feels like it takes an eternity i feel like i have been here for a really long time now i'm not going to say that i've been in the same spot within the muck For, you know, for this whole time, the muck feels like a very big chunk of my path right now, you know, like imagine a path through the forest and half of it is covered in mud. I'm in the mud. I'm still making forward progress. It's really slow. It's also very dirty. It's also like a struggle because there's some tree branches that are in my way one tree just fell over on the path and i keep going and it sucks and it's okay that it sucks that's my point it's okay for things to be hard it's okay to be human you know because there are there are a lot of messages in the spiritual and new age communities where they're like everything is a lesson everything is you know is a way for you to grow. And these are all true, but you don't have to make that kind of meaning out of everything. You know, can you just experience it as a human being? Like this sucks. Yeah. Okay. I just want it to suck. And I want to complain about it if I want to, because I'm being a human. I'm not, I don't necessarily have to go, well, how is this a lesson? How can I evolve from this? And sometimes, if you're care- if you're not careful, you'll get the toxic teachers who will give you this messaging of like, "Well, you're doing something wrong. Well, you know, you created karma to bring this onto yourself." That's not. Mm-mm, I don't agree with that message at all. It's more like one, you're being human, and human things happen, and you don't operate in a vacuum, right? We are all on this planet together, interacting as a collective. So, you know, stuff's going to happen. The part that's in your control is how you respond to it and what you do with it. You don't necessarily have to take a lesson from everything. You can, you can, you know, but you don't always have to, you can't be like, okay, this is really hard and this really sucks. What does this mean? You can assign whatever meaning you want to it. Or you could just be like, this is hard. This really sucks. I want to move on. Can I just like move on now? (laughs) Or I'll just sit here and cry and let it pass through. And then I can pick myself up and brush myself off and move forward once more through the muck. Maybe I have a walking stick this time. Hmm, who knows? But I just want to say that if you're feeling like In that place of the muckety-muck. I'm with you right there, right next to you. (laughs) Maybe you'd have a walking stick and I don't, I don't know. But um, know that it's okay. That you are doing the best that you can. And that you are creating the life that you want. Even if it doesn't feel or seem like it right now. You just keep going. And if you need help and support in that part of keeping going, reach out to me, or if you're a midlife woman of color, join our, um, magical midlife mavens, Facebook group, everyone there is really super supportive. Um, although I will say some, some folks are, are a little bit quiet and I don't know if that's because they're still feeling into the group, um, or if they just haven't had time to to pop in and say hi. But either way, I am there to support and, um, yeah, we'll get through it together. And when we get to the other side of it, it will be glorious and we will celebrate and then we'll do the cycle all over again. Yes! (laughs) Because that's how it works. All right, my friends. Okay. So I am going to just choose a... Oh, I like this poem. I don't know if I've read it before, but this is a poem that I just opened up to um, from the book, The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit. This poem is by Barbara Jane Reyes, a fellow Filipina, and this is called In the City, A New Congregation Finds Her. She keeps safe our memory when nothing's committed to stone. Sibilant, salvage woman, thread and knots, talk story woman. She whose memories, not paper-bound, lover of midnight words, scrawled myth upon flesh woman, indigo testimony tattoo woman. We bring her spirits we've captured in bottles, fire water woman, imbibes the spirits woman. We bring her dried tobacco leaves and tea, exhales the word woman, full moon weaving woman. She looses her thick hair from its pins and coils, litany liturgy woman, Stitching suture woman. She settles into her favorite chair. She always begins like this. Soul gatherer woman, spiderweb songbird woman. She breathes steam from tea, steeped stems and petals. Peace and patchwork woman, down-home cooking woman. She crushes anise stars, sweetens nightmare into reverie. Stone by stone woman, singed and soot woman. She cups glazed clay between cracked hands. Silver-winged bird woman, riverine dream-filled woman. She rubs together palms calloused. She who conjures for us a feast. Sugar-tinctured moon woman, twittering songstress moon woman. She whose eyes widen with black thundercloud and sea. Salt-luster siren woman, winter solstice mad woman. She whose voice billows and peals, whose eyes gaze nowhere howling nomad madwoman cut the bullshit madwoman her lips release language not of paper sometimes we think she forgets older than the ocean woman saragossum and seashell woman she who has kept vigil always she of the wing-kissed sunset sipping starlight woman before there was a nailed god woman Hmm. (laughs) all right my friends i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and i will wrap up our episode as we always do the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you until next time namaste If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to Suryagian.com slash subscribe.